Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Pilgrimage unites belief with action, thinking with doing, and it makes sense that this harmony is achieved when the sacred has material presence and location. Welcome to Pilgrimage, the 207th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of writer Rebecca Solnit. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother, and that is a very good quote. Yeah, I thought so. I like that. But it sort of summed up the whole situation. It really does. Situation. It does. So obviously we're talking about pilgrimage mm-hmm. today. But before that, we have to start with housekeeping. Do we have any housekeeping? Nope. The only thing I would say is a reminder that on our Patreon, mm-hmm. we do have that new perk for the cat new, new level. reward for yeah, cats. Yeah, new rewards for cats. Cats, cats and above and level. Get to see once a month uh, video, unedited reviews of things that Ode and I want to talk about. And so November's was a book called Mastering Magic by... Matt Oren. Who is the same author who wrote The Psychic Witch. That's right. Sort of a follow-up to Psychic Witch. That's right. So go ahead and watch that review to see what we thought of it. That's right. Oh, we have a Ko-Fi now. That's right. So if you'd like to support us, but you don't trust Patreon or you don't like Patreon or whatever. Then that's totally fair. uh Uh-huh. can support us through Ko-Fi. That's Ko-Fi, K-O-F-I.com, slash the number three, Pagans and a Cat. And it has the same sort of tiers that we have over on Patreon. Mm -hmm. And gradually over time, I'm going to be sort of migrating the same content that's on Patreon to also being on the Ko-Fi. And then other than that, I don't think there's anything major coming up. I don't think so. All right. Then we are house kept and... House swept. All right. We're going to be talking about pilgrimage today. Mm-hmm. So sort of a definition of a pilgrimage. Gwen, do you have a definition you usually do? Basically, a pilgrim's journey to a shrine or sacred place. Yeah. So the, the definition I got was that a pilgrimage was a devotional practice mm-hmm. consisting of a prolonged journey, often on foot or horseback, towards a specific destination with some kind of spiritual significance. Mm-hmm. Although I did find out that some pilgrims didn't have a specific destination. They were just on a a kind of a wandering wilderness kind of thing. Yeah, that is less of a traditional pilgrimage. Yeah, it's not your typical Yeah, but but a traditional pilgrimage is more concerned sort of with the journey than the Mm -hmm. destination. Yes. Like you're going to a specific spot Mm -hmm. and you're following a specific trail to get there. Mm -hmm. But the point of the pilgrimage is less to get to the destination than it is to like experience the the trials along Mm -hmm. the way. And I think also though, depends on the destination. It does. There's a lot of variability. Ability mm-hmm. in, in pilgrimages and in how they are presented across various cultures. And the interesting thing is that pretty much pilgrimage is evident in all religions. Yeah, it, uh, all a, of the major religions and a lot of the smaller, the smaller ones, ones as well. Yeah, it is a significant part of that spiritual practice mm-hmm. or religious belief structure or um, self-improvement, mm-hmm. pretty much a human thing. Yeah, all humans seem to have independently developed some kind of pilgrimage mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back, you can say it goes back to the ancients. I mean, mm-hmm. the Greeks and the Romans had pilgrimages. Mm-hmm. If Before that, the Bronze Age with mm-hmm. places like Stonehenge and, and things like that. They believe those were sacred sites where people, you know, would, would converge. converge and gather. And, and so you get a lot of Bronze Age, like, henges, like you've got Stonehenge and 
and you've got LaGrange and Avebury Henge and Glastonbury Tor. Mm -hmm. And those are all, at least from what people nowadays, you know, from right. the, the anthropologists from the and the archaeology, from the evidence, it appears that those were sites that were at least some sort of a pilgrimage. Or at least a gathering a site. A gathering site, yeah. It goes back a long way. It does. It goes back many, many moons. Many, many, many. One of the interesting things about pilgrimages and what is considered sort of a defining characteristic of the pilgrimage by people who study pilgrimages, because mm -hmm. this is, as with most things, th there's a whole field of study about yes, pe there is. people who are dedicated to studying pilgrimages. And there's a lot of information mm -hmm. out there, a heck of a lot more than I would have thought. Yeah. One of the defining features of a, of a pilgrimage and one of what's thought to be its sort of psychological functions mm -hmm. is that pilgrimage is an inherently transitory and liminal experience because you are only on a pilgrimage for a set period of time mm -hmm. and then it's over. You're not on pilgrimage anymore. Mm -hmm. And the nature of a pilgrimage and sort of the point of a pilgrimage psychologically mm -hmm. is that it takes you out of your home and divorces you from all of your habits and comforts mm -hmm. and forces you to confront a spiritual question of some kind while you are under different conditions than you normally are. Mm -hmm. So it puts you into a different frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And also I read that pilgrimages, once you get to the destination, often include a ritual of some sort that in itself is a different kind of experience than you would normally have. Yes, like a, a revelatory experience mm -hmm. often or a cleansing ritual mm -hmm. of some kind are really common at the end of a pilgrimage mm -hmm. to sort of cap the experience. A healing, different motivations for pilgrimages could include piety, mm -hmm. trying to, to get closer to whatever spiritual, uh, spiritual force. force that you were trying to converge or, or mm -hmm. be a part with. Of course, salvation forgiveness of sins, cleansing, fulfilling a vow mm -hmm. uh, or a promise, healing, obviously, penance. Any of those kinds of things could be part and parcel of the motivation of why someone would start a pilgrimage. Yeah, sometimes pilgrimages were themselves the fulfillment of a vow. Mm -hmm. So like like in extremists, right, you would see people saying like, please, God, if my mother survives this illness, I will go on a pilgrimage mm -hmm. to blah. Right, to give you offerings uh -huh. and things like that. And then when your mother doesn't die, well, you've made this vow. You have this obligation now to mm -hmm. go on this pilgrimage or God might take it back, right. <laughs> basically. Right. And then, of course, there are the religions where uh, pilgrimage is part of, of the theology right. or a, part of the practice. It's a requirement. Yes. Like, like with the Hajj. Yeah, exactly. With Islam, it is a requirement that at some point in your life, in your life, you you're go supposed to go to Mecca. To Mecca, exactly. The Jews from the Old Testament on, mm -hmm. three times a year, they were when the temple still existed. Right. They were meant to go to Jerusalem and worship at the temple. And there are some rabbis who still maintain that there is a mitzvah to go mm -hmm. uh, to the Wailing Wall, to Temple Mount. Yeah, yeah. Um, to the last wall that remains from the in the the ruins of the Second Temple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are major pilgrimages, mm -hmm. like pilgrimages to Mecca, to the temple, to the other big one is Camino de Santiago. Mm -hmm. um, there is a, a pilgrimage that's common in Buddhism to Bodh Gaya, the, the tree where Buddha achieved enlightenment. There, those are like major pilgrimages, but there are also a lot of like minor 
pilgrimages that are usually like undertaken by people who live within like a day or a week's walk. Mm -hmm. Whereas like a major pilgrimage, especially back in the day. Back in the day. At at, at, like the height of pilgrimage culture. Right. And like the 14th century. Mm -hmm. Those trips might take you months Mm -hmm. and very likely could kill you Mm -hmm. along the way. But there would also be these much smaller pilgrimages that were much more sort of achievable for normal people. Mm-hmm. So well, those st- still, like, there there right. are sort of different gradients of pilgrimages. Yeah. So there's a really interesting pilgrimage I, I read about called Kumbh Mela, mm-hmm. which is it takes place in India every 12 years. Mm-hmm. But it takes place to a different location each time. Mm. So Kumbh Mela is a pilgrimage to celebrate, I believe it's the planet Jupiter, entering a specific astrological position, which it does every 12 years. Mm-hmm. And it's the largest gathering of humans, mm-hmm. historically. And it's everyone who's on Kumbh Mela goes to a particular river to bathe. Mm, mm -hmm. But they rotate which river it is between Mm. four different rivers each 12 years. So like in a single generation, you might hit all four rivers. Oh, interesting. But you're never going to be in the same river twice. That's very cool. Yeah. I like that's that's just a really interesting sort of variation because it mm-hmm. means clearly like the river is like all of these are sacred rivers mm-hmm. but the pil- the point of the pilgrimage is not to get to a specific a specific location it's to go with, with everyone. everyone to be a part of the journey. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I know that also in Hinduism Varnasi was said to be founded at the dawn of creation and the earthly home of Shiva. Mm. So there are practitioners back in the day and devotees who go to Varnasi, to that sacred place that Mm -hmm. was meant to be, or said to be, the home of Shiva. There was, so one of the most ancient pilgrimages we know about was that there used to be a pilgrimage to Eleusis. Mm -hmm. Yes. For the the Eleusinian mysteries. For the Eleusian mysteries, however you you pronounce them. For, uh, to honor the harvest. Mm-hmm. And to to honor Demeter and Persephone, Persephone. and yep. the, the the whole change of seasons and her journey, her descent and her rise from Hades. Yeah, and yeah. so there was a whole pilgrimage that led to that. Yes. So like mm-hmm. before you even got there, yep. there was a pilgrimage. There was a process. whole journey. Aquarian Tabernacle Church. Mm-hmm. They practice the Eleusian, a, a new version of the mm-hmm. Eleusian mysteries. I got to participate in the online version, mm-hmm. and so it it really it does. It's like a four day event that they do but before COVID hit people would come from all over the United States to they're in I believe they're in Washington so yeah the the Greeks and the Romans they had their pilgrimages Mm -hmm. yeah these ancient these ancient pilgrimages pilgrimages the the roots of which we no longer necessarily know perfectly no uh -uh. but we do know that a lot of ancient pilgrimage routes eventually became our modern highways Mm -hmm. because they were just like hundreds of people were trekking them Mm -hmm. day in day out and obviously when it came time to pave roads those were the ones you did pilgrimages were also ways for people people could get relics yeah they could get relics from the place the holy place to take with you so there were a lot of actual, there were a lot of different traditions related to bringing objects with you on pilgrimages and taking objects away with you on pilgrimages. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of a classic pilgrimage attire that you'll see in especially a lot of medieval art, which was a, a person wearing a cloak with worn boots, a satchel, a flask, a wide-brimmed hat, and a staff of some kind. Mm-hmm. And 
yes to the heathens listening, this does sound very much like Odin, and no, I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> but so there was also a particular object that was really common for pilgrims to wear. They would bring a scallop shell with them. Mm-hmm. And this was specific mostly to pilgrims who were going to visit the Camino de Santiago. For some reason, the symbol of that church is a scallop shell. But so they would bring a scallop shell with them to show that they were pilgrims so that people would recognize them on the road. Mm -hmm. And it created a sense of community with other pilgrims Mm -hmm. because they'd see each other wearing the shells and be like, oh, Oh. you're also going there. Hey, you want to take this leg of the route together? Like it was a, it it created a sense of community for Mm -hmm. people. And then you would go to the Camino de Santiago and you would get your shell like anointed and you would bring it back with you Mm -hmm. to be like the symbol of your successful pilgrimage. Your journey. Your journey. And then there was also a tradition of bringing small flasks called mm-hmm. ampullae to be filled with holy water or holy oil from these sites. Mm-hmm. Which we have water from the mm-hmm. Glastonbury tour. We do. That someone took a, a pilgrimage to that site. Yep. So water from sacred wells, mm-hmm. from sacred fonts, mm-hmm. blessed oil from churches, mm-hmm. things like that were, were very common relics for people to bring home. And it was, you would bring it home partly as a sign of like piety and sacredness and like I accomplished this thing, but partly you would bring it home because they were said to have sacred qualities. Yeah, sacred (laughs) qualities. That's an important part of of the whole pilgrimage as well. many people would take pilgrimages hoping to be healed or Mm -hmm. to heal someone in their family. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think it's also important to note that some places are considered more sacred than others. Mm Mm-hmm. And for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So like you have some locations that are sacred because a god was said to walk there at some point or to be housed there there or was born there. There's also pilgrimages that are just like signs of devotion. So Mm -hmm. like there for a long time was a tradition of, and probably still is today, Mm -hmm. a tradition of walking St. Paul's Mm -hmm. route. Yep. From Damascus Mm -hmm. to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I think. Jerusalem, probably. Which was supposed to be the route that he took when he converted to Christianity. Mm -hmm. So people will walk that route as a sign of their devotion to or conversion to Christianity. Christianity. Think about, you know, let's go back to the Greeks. When they would go to things like the Oracle of Delphi, they would go to to Delphi on a pilgrimage to gain the wisdom of the gods from, from the priesthood. There's a sort of an interesting thing here for us in the modern day where we don't 100% understand like the degree of effort that went into these pilgrimages Mm -hmm. because the best they could do Mm -hmm. to speed up a pilgrimage was to have a horse yeah and that was (laughs) as fast as it got Mm -hmm. to make this less arduous Mm -hmm. but most people walked Mm -hmm. their pilgrimages Mm -hmm. from their homes Mm -hmm. to the starting point of the pilgrimage along the pilgrimage to the destination Mm -hmm. and then back home again every religion that's ever had Mm -hmm. a pilgrimage it has involved a person physically walking from their home to not straight to the pilgrimage no, site no, it, because pilgrimages take specific paths. Mm-hmm. So you walk from your home to the starting point of the pilgrimage and then follow along the path. the path to the end. Exactly. And then you get to go home by whatever route you want. Exactly. So there, there's a there's a whole part of that journey that, and it's arduous. It's mm-hmm. meant to be arduous. Exactly. It's not meant to be an easy journey. No, it's not. And I think that's one of the things that sort of distinguishes it from like tourism. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because you got a lot of spiritual tourism. Yes, and I do think we there's it's important to sort of distinguish between a pilgrimage mm-hmm. and spiritual tourism. Now, to be 
clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with Mm-mm. spiritual tourism or religious sightseeing or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, taking uh, a plane to Greece and going to see the, the Parthenon or right, whatever right. just as a sightseeing endeavor. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you feel a spiritual connection to the place, but mm-hmm. you still don't want to do, like, a, a whole-ass pilgrimage. Right. So you do the easy thing and you do some religious spiritual tourism mm-hmm. or some sightseeing. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it does serve a different function Mm -hmm. from a pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. And I I also think, though, that because we have different forms of travel, I think pilgrimages have been changed a bit. We do have, because we do have spiritual tourism, Mm -hmm. we do have people who go to holy sites just because that's their religion and they think it's really cool. But then you've got individuals who are going for very deeply spiritual reasons. Mm-hmm. They may still have to fly, like you said, to right. get there. They may not walk the rest the of the whole, the way, whole yeah. way, you know, and go the traditional pilgrimage route. But I think a lot of it has to do with intention. It goes, it's, and it's, the reason that you're going. Yeah, the reason you're going, the, the spirit that you're going in. And what you're expecting to receive once yeah. you get there. Because I don't think, like, the point of a pilgrimage is not to enjoy yourself. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be, I don't think it has to be arduous. Right. I think historically they were, Mm -hmm. because there wasn't another option. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they have to be to serve the function of a pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, like, your primary function on a pilgrimage is not, like, for your own entertainment. Right. Or for just, like, gratification. Mm -hmm. There is a seeking happening. Exactly. Like, there are a lot of uh, Hecateans who know that there are various temples that can still be visited visited. Mm -hmm. And for some, they, you know, especially those who might be in Europe or or think, you know, they're able to go to those sites. Mm -hmm. It can be tricky because some of them are not open to the public public or things like that. But my understanding is for those you know, who have gone, if it didn't start out as a pilgrimage, it became one as the trying to figure out how do I get mm-hmm. there and can I get permission to the be on the site and, and yeah. the logistics how close of can it, I get? how close can I get, can I go in and offer devotion in mm-hmm. there, those kinds of things. I think in a modern sense, it can become a pilgrimage. But for some people, they are being drawn mm-hmm. to these sites, these temples of, of the ancient deities, mm-hmm. you know, to make some kind of offering, even mm-hmm. if it's... Don't do anything illegal. You know, don't do anything illegal. Secretive, I guess, is what I'm saying. Leave a flower or something. Sometimes don't even do that. A lot of the times the reasons they don't let you do that are for good reasons. Right, that's true. Part of the pilgrimage can be figuring out how do I get there? What do I have to Mm -hmm. sacrifice? Yeah. And that's a big part of what a a pilgrimage is about. What it was about sacrifice. They left their families, they left their homes, they They, traveled. uh, They upended their whole life. They upended their whole life, potentially for a year or more, depending on where they were going. Potentially for Forever. There were people who their pilgrimage sites were so far away from their homes. They never went back. They just stayed there. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so it's about sacrifice. What do I have to give up? What do I have to Mm -hmm. do to one, make the journey happen? How Mm -hmm. do I start? Mm -hmm. What how do I take care of myself on the journey and what do I do when I get there? Yeah. You know, when I do finally get there and, and do whatever I'm supposed to do, how do I get home? Mm-hmm. Am I able to get home? Yeah. There's a whole a sacrifice element that I think is still present today. It's the, it's the mindset. Is it a pilgrimage or mm-hmm. is it is it spiritual tourism? Yeah. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with spiritual tourism but at it's, all. But it's just different from but a pilgrimage. But it's different from a pilgrimage. Yeah. And I think that's what people back in the day experienced. If, if it wasn't part of their religion. Right. If it wasn't mandatory. If it wasn't mandatory, it was, it was something that they just felt compelled 
for whatever reason to do. I think there's another aspect of the pilgrimage that is sort of understated or Mm -hmm. not like widely understood. Mm -hmm. And it's a less religious aspect of pilgrimage, but it's one that was actually really, really important to sort of the development of our culture Mm -hmm. is that pilgrimages were significant sources of cultural transmission Mm -hmm. because you would get people from point A, mm-hmm. trying to get to point, you know, F, <laughs> and all the various points along the way, they were meeting people who were variably unlike them. Mm-hmm. And the further away they got from home, the more different those people would be. Mm-hmm. And so they would learn things from those people, they would teach things to those people, and that was like pilgrimage routes became major trade routes, mm-hmm. became major cultural environments, Well, that's like the, melting pot areas. Exactly. That's one of the reasons why we have inns mm-hmm. and places, you know, rest stops yeah. and places to stay when you're on, when you're traveling. They, that, that whole business model yeah. really sprung up from pilgrimages and... People traveling and from far away. And merchants. And yeah. merchants, you know, traveling. And there used to be like banks mm-hmm. and insurance actually started to support pilgrimages. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much people know about this. Because pilgrims had to go long distances, they couldn't carry their money with them Mm -hmm. because money was heavy. Mm -hmm. Like it was a physical object you had to carry. It was mostly coinage. It was physically heavy. You couldn't carry it with you, Mm -hmm. but you would need funds at various points in your journey. So what happened was rich people would hold your money and give you a piece of paper proving that they had your money. And you would bring that paper with you. And because this rich person had contacts like Mm -hmm. along the pilgrimage route at strategic points who would honor the piece of paper that this person gave you Mm -hmm. and give you money in exchange so that you could pay for things in this new location. Mm -hmm. This was the start of banks. Insurance started because knights would accept payment Mm -hmm. to protect people on the pilgrimage routes. Mm -hmm. These institutions sprang up specifically to support pilgrimages. Join our tiger crystal at Apothecary Tees. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses, with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, I suggest Forest Chai, with a blend of Douglas fir needles, white oak bark, cinnamon, juniper, anise, and nutmeg. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC. So, like, I think people really underestimate the extent to which, like, pilgrimage economies Mm -hmm. sort of built modern society. I think so, too. And I think that's a a really good point, that pilgrimages and politics Mm -hmm. did converge. Oh, closely So much did they converge. (laughs) There's so much. Like, you would get, if a political leader Mm -hmm. wanted the support of the people Mm -hmm. by combining what they were doing with the pilgrimage, with the the holy leaders and and protect them or going on the pilgrimage themselves to prove that yeah, they to were prove their a, holiness a holy or, person or yeah, that they or had worthiness or that they had divine right to be uh-huh. a leader yeah you know they would go to the place to make a sacrifice or whatever it was they were mm-hmm. doing they're very much intertwined in fact the the crusades yes were very much a holy 
political, political pilgrimage, pilgrimage yeah. for these knights. So One, it was to get them out of England because they were, was, they were causing they were, problems. They were rowdy. <laughs> so basically, the Crusades were the runoff of wars in England. Yes. So there had been a bunch of wars in England and Europe, mm-hmm. and all these countries had raised mercenary armies mm-hmm. to fight their wars with each other. Well, now those wars were over, and these mercenaries had no other career mm-hmm. and now had no source of income, and so they, they were turning to banditry. They were they were causing problems. There were instances of mercenary companies literally taking over towns. Mm-hmm. So the Crusades were basically conceived wholesale as a way to get these mercenary companies out of Europe. Yep. And so, to just move them inland. Yep. And get them away from the people they were currently terrorizing. So they, they would go terrorize someone else. That's right. And the, so the church offered absolution mm-hmm. as the payment to make them go away. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that you got your crusades. Mm-hmm. And because obviously politics and the church were very intertwined. Deeply. Deeply intertwined for generations. And so, yeah, it was very much a pl- And that's why they sent them to Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That to, to quote unquote liberate the yeah. holy city. It was. It had. It was really very little to do. Like the the individual soldiers mm-hmm. felt that they were on a holy mission they because that they was were. what they had been told yep. by the church authorities. But honestly, it was to get them the fuck it was, out of England. It was truly in France. <laughs> it was truly just the church authorities trying to move them yes. out of Europe. Yes, they wanted them out because they were rowdy and they were causing problems mm-hmm. and people were unhappy. You know, right, with the mess that they the themselves had they, made. Exactly, and so that's how they got rid of them. They sent them on these holy pilgrimages. Yeah. And created wars in other lands. Uh Uh-huh. Basically, there was no therapy and no one knew PTSD existed. (laughs) So instead of helping these mercenaries overcome their traumas... Mm They just decided, well, we'll inflict their traumas on someone else. Right, exactly. But like you said, you know, these these soldiers of fortune. Right. Had yeah. they they were being told basically therapy doesn't exist. So here's the solution to your to your trauma and mm. to your mental anguish. You're suffering because you've been sinful. Go to Jerusalem mm. and liberate it. And you will be saved. And of course, if they could protect other pilgrims uh-huh. along the way, uh-huh. that of course they did it so, for some money. Exactly. <laughs> but but so so these mercenary companies became mm-hmm. holy orders of knights. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hello, Knights Templar. Yeah. And many others. And those many were, those others. are just the most well-known. But there mm-hmm. were m- hundreds yep. of holy orders of knights who were basically just rebranded mercenary companies mm-hmm. of people who'd been traumatized by wars in Europe. They were on a mission from God. Uh-huh. Going to, going to the Holy Jerusalem, Land. hoping that it would heal them of all the shit that they'd seen. Yep. So it's really, it's it's very fascinating how all of these things intertwine. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, politics and, and religion combined can create... A whole clusterfuck. A whole clusterfuck. But at the heart of the ordinary person... Mm-hmm. The the ordinary person's experience. The ordinary person's experience of a pilgrimage, it was motivated by whatever these desires were, whether it was healing or absolution or the call of their religion, whatever. Mm -hmm. And intercession. And intercession, you know, all of these things. You have various levels Mm -hmm. of pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. Through the centuries. Through the centuries. (laughs) Through the centuries. And it's it's so interesting, like you said, how culture Mm -hmm. is has been affected by it. And even landscapes. 
Mm-hmm. Like, we have roads in the places we have them because those were the right. easiest routes for pilgrims to follow. Mm-hmm. Like, the reason our roads curve around hills instead of going over them is because it was easier to walk around a hill than mm-hmm. to go uphill. And that's also how we got some of our, our ballads and our, our mm-hmm. songs and our, our stories. And of course, Canterbury Tales. Canterbury Tales. It's all about pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. So there are a few sort of new, mm-hmm. modern pilgrimage sites I want to talk about, specific to to paganism. Mm -hmm. Some of these were mentioned on our Patreon when I did the sneak peek, and I'd never heard of them, so I I did a little looking into them, and they were really interesting. There's the Temple of Sekhmet Mm. in Indian Springs, Nevada. This is really interesting. So in the 90s, this woman, who I guess is a millionaire, bought some land between a nuclear testing site and an airfield. She bought this land and then she gifted it back to the Shoshone tribe it belonged to originally, mm-hmm. made an agreement with that Western Shoshone tribe to allow her and some of the people she worked with to be the stewards of that land and to build a temple there. Mm-hmm. So they built the temple of Sekhmet and they have like a working relationship with the, the Shoshone tribe there. And they all get together and protest nuclear weapons on that site regularly. That's very cool. Um, Teethorn Coil actually was there in 2010, I believe, mm-hmm. and got arrested. <laughs> Go <laughs> Teethorn! Pro- protesting wars and drone strikes and shit with the Temple of Sekhmet and the Western Shoshone tribe. Mm-hmm. But it's a like a little open air temple. It's made of whitewashed stucco. Got like a little metal dome thing. Mm-hmm. Open to the public from sunrise to sunset Mm -hmm. it is supposed to be like a mother goddess focused space Mm -hmm. it just it seems like a really cool little spot i guess they do little artist retreats there sometimes and like i said they they're really active in protesting the the nuclear testing and Mm -hmm. uh and the development of new tools for war right because they're right in between two tools for war. Right. So that, I thought, was a really interesting spot. And that, like I said, someone mentioned that as a pilgrimage site that they'd like to go to. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, uh, there are a lot of people who are, in you know, involved in the New Age who go to Sedona because of the energy there, because they there are, like, vortexes and ley supposedly. lines. Supposedly. S- that Sedona's interesting because it's really just a town. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a normal town. There are supposed to be, like, four different spots mm-hmm. in and around Sedona that mm-hmm. are supposed to be quote energy vortexes right right i don't know where any of that comes from <laughs> i don't know either all i know is that the people who have gone there i have a couple of friends mm-hmm. who've, who've gone to sedona whether you want to call it spiritual tourism or if they just feel drawn to go there mm-hmm. because of for other spiritual reasons they have felt a connection there. Oh. Here, what I wonder is, do you feel a connection in Sedona that you could feel anywhere, but mm-hmm. you only feel in Sedona because you expect to feel it in Sedona? Mm-hmm. I'd, I have question marks about Sedona. I, have, I haven't been able to find anything about Sedona that makes me understand Sedona, mm-hmm. I guess is what it comes down That's to. That's fair. But I think for the people who are drawn to go there, the people who experience it, it becomes a, a sure. sacred place for them. I, but here's the thing, though. I also think any place can be sacred. Oh, Absolutely. Any um, place in, uh, in, can be sacred. There. And I guess the, the thing I don't understand with Sedona is we don't hear this energy vortex stuff literally anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't understand it and I, I don't trust it. Salem, of course, is a is a mm-hmm. modern pilgrimage spot. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go there to honor the all the people who died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. It's also a, a site of a lot of spiritual tourism. It, yep, absolutely. But I think, again, it depends on your attitude and, and what how, you it is, how you go into it. 
yeah. to it. What are you seeking? Why are you going there? You may start out as a spiritual tourist and end up and on end a up pilgrimage. on a pilgrimage. Uh, I think the, the the tricky bit is to not go the other way by accident. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you start out as a spiritual tourist and you end up as a pilgrim, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you start out intending to be a pilgrim and you end up a spiritual tourist, that feels like <laughs> it might be a bummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would be a way to go, but or, or ways to go. But the fire festival for Beltane in Edinburgh, Ooh. I think, has become a pilgrimage of sorts. You know, yes, it's probably also a spiritual tourism kind of mm-hmm. thing. But it's a it's a fire festival that uh, has been revived mm-hmm. uh, since I think 2019 or something. And uh, it draws people from all over Europe Mm -hmm. and probably the world to participate in this Beltane Fire Festival. That does sound cool. You know, and that would definitely, for me, that would be definitely a a pilgrimage, you know, a a sacred event Mm -hmm. to go be a part of. Yeah. Just like going to Stonehenge for the solstice. There are also places I read that Mount Shasta in California, mm. uh, there are people who go on spiritual pilgrimages there, feel very connected to the earth mm-hmm. there. You know. There are certainly places that have mm-hmm. like a, a strong spirit. Yeah. I don't yeah. dispute that. Someone else mentioned they wanted to go to the Necromantion of Acheron. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the Necromantion of Acheron was a site, it's mentioned actually in a, a bunch of poems, mm-hmm. uh, Homer mentions it, where Persephone and Hades were mm-hmm. worshipped, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be at the site where three rivers converged, mm-hmm. and the rivers were supposed to go down into the temple to feed into Hades. Mm-hmm. There is a site that's called now the Necromantion of Acheron. Mm-hmm. It's a disputed site mm-hmm. because it was originally thought to be the remains of a temple, but it's now thought it was probably just more like a fortified like hill house mm-hmm. and that it was misidentified but it's still used as sort of that as sort of the stand-in for that location because we don't know where that location actually was so mm-hmm. someone mentioned they they wanted to go there that one's i think is interesting because it shows it sometimes it has less to do with the physical location mm-hmm. and more to do with the process yeah i think for me um because you know i did get to experience it online to go to Washington for the actual Illusion Mysteries that mm-hmm. that the uh, that the Aquarian Tabernacle Church, the ATC, yeah, the ATC does. I think that would be a kind of a pilgrimage for me, mm-hmm. simply because it's across the country, right? And uh, it would take it would some, be another like yeah, it would be work to figure it this out. It would be work. It would be sacrifice. How you know how do I I get there? And and I think it, for those people who do go, it is a kind of a pilgrimage. There's also one other site that was mentioned by our patrons that I also would love to go to someday mm-hmm. when it's finished. Mm-hmm. So there's a site in Reykjavik in Iceland oh. um, where the the local Asatru organization mm-hmm. has been trying to build a temple there for like a decade, <sighs> yeah. for over a decade now. Yeah. They've been trying to build an Asatru temple, and it's t- it's just been a nightmare. Trying like to get it built. The, it took them forever to get the land, mm-hmm. and then they had to get the plans approved, and then there was a financial crisis in Iceland, and then they were going to be working, like, they were going to try to work on it in 2019 and get it done by 2022, but then the pandemic happened, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they're still working on building this freaking temple. They finally got the office is done and so they're now hoping that like by 2023 that oh <laughs> they might have finished the social spaces oh for the gosh. temple but a really interesting phenomenon so someone actually wrote a paper about this mm-hmm. so the Asatru organization in Iceland the main one the big one that's recognized as an official religion mm-hmm. 
is a universalist heathen organization. Mm -hmm. So they are specifically inclusive. They are explicitly universalist. They're explicitly anti-racist. Like they accept the tenets of other religions. They want the Asatru temple that they're building to be Mm -hmm. a space that is open to all religions. Like they're very open and inclusive. I like that. That is their explicit mission and mandate. Mm -hmm. So in response to that, a bunch of American folkish, Mm. meaning racist heathens, started building their own temples in the United States to try to, like, compete with the Asatru temple in Iceland. Oh, my word. Uh Uh-huh. And so they were, like, buying rec centers and, you know, Mm -hmm. rebranding them as heathen temples. And a really interesting phenomenon happened with this, which is that before the Asatru organization in Iceland, they have a they have an Icelandic name that I can't pronounce and that I didn't write down and I don't remember all the letters in it, <laughs> so I won't try. But before that organization announced that they were going to start building this temple, universalist heathens were actually sort of underground because the folkish heathens sort of had the megaphone mm-hmm. and were the best known like the most popular brand of heathenry Mm -hmm. and uh, folkish heathens will always insist that they're not racist and then they'll turn around and be very racist Mm -hmm. but they use the word folkish so that they can kind of sidestep how racist they are Mm -hmm. and so folkish heathenry was sort of the face of especially american heathenry Mm -hmm. But as soon as the announcement was made that the Asatru temple in Iceland was going to be built and folkish heathens started this like frenetic race to try to beat them, Mm -hmm. universalist heathens, because they saw that there was a place was being made for us, Universalist heathens started coming out of the woodwork and like shutting down their relationships with folkish heathen groups mm-hmm. and trying to like push folkish heathenry down, down. Mm-hmm. and and make them no longer the face of heathenry. And so like there's you can literally see an evolution in the way heathens talk about and engage with each other and with folkish heathenry from the moment that the Asatru temple is announced, even though it hasn't been finished yet. Mm-hmm. So it's like someone literally wrote a paper tracking this evolution mm-hmm. in, and concluded that what it was, a universalist heathen organization saying we matter enough to have a physical place in the world, mm-hmm. gave universalist heathens a sense of like identity and community that they had been lacking because Mm -hmm. folkism's one thing that they do better than other heathens is that they're really communal. Mm -hmm. They really bind their communities together because they're basically fascists. Mm -hmm. Having that promise of a physical space gave universalists that same sense of community Mm -hmm. and that sense of community gave them enough like oomph Mm-hmm. To actually like start fighting folkish heathenry. Yeah. So I think that like that story mm-hmm. really like illustrates sort of the point of having pilgrimage sites mm-hmm. and of having temples yeah. and sacred specific Spaces. sacred locations. Mm-hmm. Like they they lend a sense of authority mm-hmm. and community and like of mattering to the world mm-hmm. when you have a physical space. Yep. Ah, Rochala wrote the the name. It's the Asatra Felagith. Yes, the Asatra Felagith. Thank you, Rochala. Rochala also says, I think all that makes a pilgrimage site a pilgrimage site is just deciding that it is and mm-hmm. performing the pilgrimage. Yep. I think that a lot of places that we now believe are important weren't until someone decided that they are and convinced others they were right. I think mm-hmm. that's true. I think that's very and true. And I think they accumulate 
spiritual power mm -hmm. because people go to them mm -hmm. with a spiritual energy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, this is going to sound kind of funny, but like the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft has become maybe not a spiritual pilgrimage for people, but has definitely become a place that they want to go to to connect, mm -hmm. Wiccans in particular, because that gives them a sense of, like you said, foundation, yeah, history. Of, of authority, authority, of authenticity. And even though it's not necessarily, although they might have a ritual space, I don't right. know, but even though it might not necessarily be a, a, a place to go worship or whatever, it is a place to go mm -hmm. to acknowledge who you are and where you've come from. Well, and I think like even Wiccans having Circle Sanctuary mm -hmm. existing. I would love to go to Circle Sanctuary. That right? would be a kind of pilgrimage Yeah, for like me, even know? just knowing it exists. Yeah gives Wiccans, I think, a sense of place in yeah, the world. Exactly. I think, I think we underestimate the degree to which humans really are like, we need to mm -hmm. feel like we have a space uh -huh. in the world. Exactly. We underestimate the degree to which our spirituality mm -hmm. does still need a material element mm -hmm. because we are material creatures. Mm -hmm. And while it would be really cool to be able to go to the to the ancient sites in Europe or mm -hmm. in Greece, Greece or Rome or wherever, the practicality of that, if you mm -hmm. are not in those locations and in those areas where it's a little more accessible, Mm -hmm. We can create sacred sites and sacred spaces, I think. Places of pilgrimage mm -hmm. to go that, that speak to us yeah. in our paths. Rhiannon says, there's a reason one of the first things dictators strip away from people is the right to gather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a reason, like, Christianity is so focused around churches. Mm -hmm. It's not, and, and there's a reason that they build their churches in specific ways, mm -hmm. right? There's a reason it's not a flat gray building. Mm -hmm. There's a reason they build cathedrals. Mm -hmm. And it's because there is a an important marriage mm -hmm. between the ability to physically gather your community in a space mm -hmm. and for that space to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. For instance, the summer festivals, you mm -hmm. know, and the, yes. and the different places that or we like could go. Or like going to Michigan Pagan Fest. Michigan Pagan Fest, Convocation. Mm -hmm. These are important events that do become a kind of pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. because yeah, we go every year. We go every year because we know we'll be able to gather with our community. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's some there's some purchases going yes. on there. We support the economy of, <laughs> but of that's the our thing fellow is pagans. That's the thing is we're buying products to support fellow pagans. And often we're buying spiritual services yeah. and spiritual items exactly. from our fellow spiritual practitioners. And when it's available and when we're able to do so, we participate in ritual. Mm -hmm. Those are a new a modern form of pilgrimage for, for pagans who don't necessarily have temple spaces. Yeah. And I think the the downside of those is that they do require so much sacrifice to go to. They are mm -hmm. so expensive and resource intensive. You have to block off your whole weekend. Mm -hmm. But isn't that part of a pilgrimage? It is. But I think there's being an important point made here by mm -hmm. Rashala, mm -hmm. which who says, even without places of pilgrimage, I think we need places of gathering that serve a similar purpose to a church, smaller, more local places of gathering. Mm -hmm. Because we shouldn't have to have pilgrimages be our only opportunities to gather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a lot of us, that is the case. That is very true. And I think then you start getting into, but what about becoming an organized system of, deal with it you know kind of thing and I think that's where the I think though that that's where the the resistance comes in deal with yeah. it grow up engage with your spirituality like an adult 
And to remember, we do have places like like Circle Sanctuary. There, and we do have places like Wolf Run. Mm-hmm. And why can't we have more? Exactly. You know, like Weavers of the Web. What have they been trying to do for years? They've yep. been trying to create a sacred space where classes and rituals and, mm-hmm. and a physical space where people can gather yeah. and, and experience services. And where you can have, like, a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. A lot of us feel rootless. That's why. Mm-hmm. Because we refuse in some cases. Mm-hmm. Some cases it's just we can't afford it or we can't right. make it happen. Right. But in some places we're refusing to put down roots. Mm-hmm. That's how you put down roots. And I, I, I think it is the, the nature of how witchcraft, modern witchcraft and pa- modern paganism came about in the in the 50s and the 60s. Yeah, but here's the thing. You can't be counterculture forever. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of what we're getting into now is like we're going, we're growing at a pace now mm-hmm. where it would be beneficial for us to have sacred spaces, places where we can gather on a regular basis and not, like you said, not just as a form of pilgrimage for the summer festivals or special events events and and things like that but uh, a regular space to go i think we can have both yeah i do agree i think most of us came to paganism Mm -hmm. or to witchcraft Mm -hmm. through being outcasts and we found a sense of purpose in being outcasts Mm -hmm. but along the way we've started punishing ourselves with our own isolation Mm. and that's not healthy Mm-hmm. And it's not how you grow a community. Mm-hmm. Because we are a community and we do need to be able to grow with each other and have safe spaces to gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's more important now than it practice. has ever been. Yes. And it's getting more important every goddamn day. Mm-hmm. It is scary out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the only way we get through it is with communities. Mm-hmm. Like, the more isolated we are, the more in danger we are. Mm-hmm. And let me just say, we've, we're very fortunate here in Michigan that we do have Wolf Run. Mm-hmm. We have Hearth and Grove. We have Weavers of Kalamazoo, the Web. In Kalamazoo, we have Weavers of the Web. We have stores like Arts and Craft mm-hmm. that have a gathering space. Yep, that hold rituals. That hold rituals. And I, I think that we need more. And part of that comes down to organization, mm-hmm. you know, people being willing to do that together. Mm-hmm. And of course, that always comes down to money. Yeah. I, we veered a little bit away from pilgrimages right. as a concept. Yeah, we, um, we've gone on a bunny trail. Uh, on a little bit on of a bunny get, trail. But it's, it is one of the ones that I think is important. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there are obstacles to overcome, but don't let one of them be your own, like, pride. Mm-hmm. There's room for both. And I think, yeah. you know, pilgrimages still have a very important part mm-hmm. to play in in our lives. I just think it's I, I just I do think it's worth remembering that like even at the height mm-hmm. of pilgrimages, it was always a minority of people who went on them. Mm-hmm. And there yes, that's true because it was such a huge commitment. Uh-huh. Because of it was time such an arduous process. arduous process. We can have community mm-hmm. that maybe sends those off, sends right? people off don't, on pilgrimage. Don't you want to have a community <laughs> so that when you go off on your pilgrimage, you come back with a safe place to land. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's all we have tonight, maybe for pilgrimages, since we zeered off topic. Yeah, but I think I covered everything that that I had planned. Same. And it it is a a fascinating study. It is something that is very intrinsic Mm -hmm. to humanity. Yeah, and I, like, you do find it across, like, pretty much every culture. Every culture has some form of pilgrimage, Mm -hmm. whether it's organized or not. Yeah. And we still have it in the modern day, as we've discovered. And we just do it a little differently. We just do it differently. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, pilgrimage! Maybe find a pilgrimage in your area. And you might be able to go on a pilgrimage to just, like, 
Your local nature preserve? Your local nature preserve. What about some of the uh, meditation circles? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some beautiful meditation spaces mm-hmm. that you can go to that, that could become a part of a, of a pilgrimage yeah. journey for you, depending on where you are in your spiritual walk. Going to the beach, if you're not near one. Especially, yeah, if you're if not you're, near if, one. Especially if you're not near one, but it feel you feel called mm-hmm. to take go. A, take to a weekend. Go, yeah, to go experience that. Or to the woods, mm-hmm. you know, go go have a, a, a weekend away, whether you're a camper or, or somebody who does a cabin. But finding a nearby. My hotel. My hotel. <laughs> like, go to the Redwoods, for mm-hmm. heaven's sake. Oh, my or, God. I'd love to see the Redwoods. Right? What a spiritual experience yeah. that would be. The Grand Canyon. Things that we normally think of as vacations. Yeah, or tourist spots. Or tourist spots. A lot of those places are tourist spots now mm-hmm. because they were, like, big, dramatic mm-hmm. spaces. Like, mm-hmm. the, either they were already sacred or they had, like, that kind of energy that just drew people, mm-hmm. but it happened in an age of capitalism. <laughs> and and if you decide to go on a vacation or a journey, mm-hmm. maybe if there is some spot nearby mm-hmm. that could fulfill that desire for pilgrimage, that desire oh, yeah, for like, deeper connection, go for it. Like, I went to Niagara Falls to mm-hmm. meet my girlfriend, mm-hmm. not as a pilgrimage. But I did go have, like, a little solo half an hour that I spent under the falls, which mm-hmm. was a spiritual experience. Yeah. So I think I think maybe part of it, too, is like redefining mm-hmm. in some ways what pilgrimage can look like. Yeah, because we live in an age where mm-hmm. you're going to drive mm-hmm. or you're going to take an airplane. Or, or you like, just don't have as much time. Yeah, like you're not going to spend six months walking there. Mm-hmm. But you could have that same that uh, me- that mentality. mentality, that same spiritual experience, that mm-hmm. growth, that healing that whatever it is that you're needing, you can still experience that. That communion. That communion with deity, with divinity, with spirit. With nature. With nature. You can still have that. Mm -hmm. It just, it's in a more of a microcosm instead of a macrocosm kind of way. In a more condensed form for our faster paced society. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Modern 21st century pilgrim. Uh Uh-huh. You do it quick. (laughs) I think we're going to call it there. Yeah. All right. So you can Google us with the number three and the letters P-A-A-C or the number three and the words pagans and a cat. You can find us online at the number three pagansandacat.com. We have a Redbubble. We have a Patreon. We have a Ko-Fi. You can find links to all of those on our website. And we love all our patrons and those who support us. Yes, you help us literally keep the lights on in this house. And we appreciate every single one of you Mm -hmm. and all of our listeners. So please share. Yes, share. share this. Share the episode. Share the episode. (laughs) Share the podcast. And we're continuing our... Help us to grow even more. Yeah. And we're continuing our push for No Drama November. No Drama November. We're halfway through November. Yes. Celebrate being halfway through No Drama November. No Drama November. (laughs) No No Drama drama November. November. (laughs) (laughs) And we've decided, just as a preface for you, that December is going to be delightful December. That's right. Delightful December. Yeah. So, you know, start preparing now. You got two weeks (laughs) to get ready for delightful December. Delightful December. That's right. (laughs) All right. Gwyn has a TikTok. I do. That she enjoys very much. Mm-hmm. She blogs sometimes on Patheos Pagan. Sometimes. Sometimes. Intermittently. Intermittently. I think that's everything we do? Pretty much. Okay. Then we will talk to you next week. That's right. Goodbye. 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 Go do something pilgrimy. Pilgrimage-y. Pilgrimish. Pilgrimesque. Google some sites. <laughs> <laughs>